Welcome to the Holy Cross Sermon Podcast. This whole year we're exploring the life and teachings of Jesus in the book of Luke. We're in a series called Kingdom Life. We are looking at how Jesus taught believers to live. Join us now as we dive into another passage. Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit this morning to speak your words to us, to help us to understand it, to receive it, and to put it to work in our lives For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please be seated. It's your chance to catch your breath. I was worshiping the Lord there, and it's a little hard to suck in a lot of air to sing when you've got a mask on, so well done. Give yourselves a pat on the back. So there were two old friends, and they met each other one day on the street. And the one looked forlorn, almost on the verge of tears. And his friend asked, What has the world done to you, my friend? The sad fellow said, let me tell you. Three weeks ago, my uncle died, and he left me $40,000. That's a lot of money, the friend said. Oh, but you see, two weeks ago, a cousin I never even knew died and left me $85,000, free and clear. Sounds to me that you are very blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt died, and I inherited a quarter of a million from her. Now, the man's friend began to be really confused. Then why in the world do you look so glum? He looked back at him, and he goes, This week, nothing. See, now that's a story about missing the big picture. You have a $375,000 windfall, and you're still sad that there's not more, right? I feel like if that's you, you've missed something that's very important. And it makes me wonder this morning, how many Christians are still trying to understand the big picture of life in Christ? I wonder, what would you say is the big picture of life? Perhaps you're sitting here this morning going, well, I don't know what is life all about. I'm not sure. Or you've been following Jesus for some time, and internally, and certainly not publicly, you'd never admit this, you're thinking, am I really doing this right? Or maybe you've been a Christian for your whole life for a long time, and it's not even interesting anymore. It doesn't elicit any emotion. And in fact, you're tired. I hate to say it, but for many, these are the prevalent positions. I'm not sure. What am I doing? And who cares? I want to ask this question this morning. How do you know that you're living out God's big picture? How do you know if the kingdom of God, the kingdom of life, has actually come to you? There's this seminary president who said, very few things honor and glorify God more than the sweet fragrance of a thankful soul. It expels gloom and ushers in sweet peace and blessed hope. And this is exactly what happens in the story of the leper's encounter with Jesus. And it's meant to be the same with all of us. 
Author Brennan Manning proposes this. Is it possible that God is more interested in the gratitude of our hearts than anything else? We see this very thing at work in Luke's Gospel. It's this. Grace grows gratitude. Will you say that with me? Grace grows gratitude. To recap the story that we just read, there are ten lepers on the outskirts of town. Now, this should sound familiar. They are in quarantine, right? Because they have this disease. They have been quarantined off by themselves together until their skin uh, their skin disease has gone away. It was interesting. I was reading a story in the paper on Thursday about the plight of the USC students quarantined with coronavirus. For most, this meant isolation, bad food, and questionable air conditioning in a 1960s dormitory. I, I thought to myself, what's changed? That sounds like college life. But it wasn't what they were expecting. The condition for these lepers was even worse. They quite literally were on the outside, living outdoors, away from everyone else, and their only friends, other miserable lepers. So in this story, the first thing we see is this. The lepers, they know their need. They are living out the famous Bonnie Tyler song. No, not Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's her other famous song. My apologies to Bonnie Tyler fans. You know the one from Footloose? Does anybody know it? I need a hero, right? I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the morning light. He's got to be fast and he's got to be strong and he's got to be fresh from the fight. I need a hero. That one. You know that one? (laughs) Oh, man. Bonnie Tyler, she was great. Those two songs. These guys, they need a hero. The lepers, they need a hero. And guess what? There Jesus is. The first step for anyone, for us, to living out the kingdom life is to recognize that you need a hero. And Jesus is that hero. Many of you might be familiar with the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous. We admit that we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. See, every human being is powerless over sin. Every human being is racked by the effects of sin. Whether it's broken relationships, unsatisfied desires, unfulfilled hopes, we need a hero. And Jesus comes along. The second thing we see is this, that the lepers actually had some sort of faith. Twice, actually. First, they cry out to the passerby. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then second, when he tells them to go show themselves to the priest, they go. That in itself was an act of faith. A leper would normally, after recovering, go and show himself to the priest who would verify that he or she was now clean and able to return to normal life within the community. The fact that they were willing to leave their place on the outskirts of town before they were actually cleansed is, in fact, an amazing act of faith on their part. I wonder, what's your cry for mercy? For some, it's going to be a fear about 
returning to school or having your children return to school. For others, it's searching for a job or or facing a difficult financial situation or even a difficult relationship at work or in your home. For all of us, though, for each one of us, we have the greatest need, the need for forgiveness. And until we cry out to Jesus to have mercy on us, it will remain the only need in our life that matters. The call of faith is to step out even when the future is uncertain. Third, the lepers, they find a cure. On the way to the priest, they were cleansed. Now, this is deeply encouraging to me on a number of levels, but theologically speaking, I know this, that my sins are immediately, once and for all, forgiven at the time of my confessing my sin and putting my trust in Jesus. You've heard that before, right? That as we put, when we put our trust in Jesus, he forgives it all, right? But I am comforted that as I trust him, over time, as I walk it out, as I'm walking towards the priest, I guess, I'm, made, I'm actually made well. God is always working on the deep places of my heart, working on that lingering shame or the effect of a harsh parent or any one of life's many disappointments. He wants to heal the deep places of your heart. And as you follow Him and put your trust in Him and your faith in Him and are obedient to Him, as you walk it out, just like the lepers do, you will find yourself made well, healed, cleansed, changed. Now there's a little nuance in this story that is worth noting. Most people don't get to to these deep places with Jesus. Just look at it. In fact, only one out of ten, right? Nine people don't ever come back to Jesus. They aren't actually walking out into the deep places of their heart with Him. It's only one. Only one returns, even though every one of them was healed. Having received what they immediately needed, presumably, we don't know, but the other nine went back to their lives, into the community, into their families. But this one, this one, the one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. But when the grace of God comes to this one leopard, leper, leopard, not leopard, When the grace of God comes to this one leper, gratitude grows. And it's gratitude then that matters. It proves that the kingdom of God has come to him and it proves that the kingdom of God has come to you. Uh, One Catholic theologian put it this way, we need to only know who and what we really are to break into spontaneous praise and thanksgiving. This leper knew that he needed a hero. And when he found Jesus and Jesus healed him, he broke out into spontaneous praise and thanksgiving. Maybe he never actually made it to the priest. He just reactively turned back to praise Jesus who had made him well. You see, grace grows gratitude. So how do you know if the kingdom of God, the kingdom life has actually come to you? 
Paul asks this question, is gratitude the defining characteristic of your life, of your Christian life, of your public life? That's how you know. Jesus actually confirms this when acknowledging this man's gratitude. He says, go, your faith has made you well. It's not gratitude that's made him well. It's the fact that he did what Jesus told him to do. He goes, your faith has made you well. So how do we put this, what do we do with this this morning? It would be easy, but really trite, to just say, hey, you guys, just go out and be grateful. But Jesus didn't actually tell this leper to go and be grateful. He actually had to first receive God's grace. Thanksgiving itself is a response to God's saving act in creation and redemption. If you've been given forgiveness of sin, that is God's saving act for you. Thanksgiving is always the second word, never the first. Do you have a reason to be grateful? If you're still desperate for help, then you need to find help. Now is the time to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And you can be cleansed from your sin, and you can be made well, finally and completely. And when you know the forgiveness of sin that you don't deserve, that Jesus freely gives to you, when you know freedom from shame and self-doubt, when you hear the words of God the Father who looks at you and says, My beloved daughter, my beloved son, I am so pleased with you. That is exactly what he says when you are in his son Jesus. He says, "Uh, my daughter, my son, I am so very pleased with you. When your identity has been changed, when you're not isolated on the outskirts of town, you will have reason for grateful joy. Friends, let that grace grow gratitude in you. And so we must first find our salvation in Jesus so that we might be grateful. But second, there is something about practicing gratitude. Uh, we can practice being thankful. Did, uh, did any of you see the Mr. Rogers movie last year? It was one of, we watched it on, uh, in coronavirus quarantine because it was fresh. But we watched this movie. And I loved Mr. Rogers growing up because we only had three channels and he was on one of them. Um, uh, And I still do love him. But one of the things I noticed in Tom Hanks' betrayal of Mr. Rogers was just how thankful he was. He always found a reason to say thank you to everyone, even even if they were Matt Damon, accusing him of being a fraud. It was quite remarkable. He was practicing gratitude. And I want to challenge us to practice gratitude this week. How would our hearts change if in every conversation you went to this week you found a reason to say thank you for something specific? Maybe a conflict would be muted or even short-circuited. Mundane moments in a grocery store checkout line might become remarkable, not just for you, but for someone else that you encounter. And as you search for reasons in everyday moments to be thankful your thoughts will be actually turned towards Jesus. Because you'll remember the person in front of you is just as loved by Jesus as you are. Every human being 
Even the worst ones in the whole wide world are loved by Jesus. As you think about His grace to you, gratitude will grow as you try to give it to somebody else. Your thankful soul, as the president, the seminary president said, will expel gloom and usher in sweet peace and blessed hope. Friends, God's grace breaks into our lives and brings peace and hope. Gratitude breaks forth from our lives and likewise brings peace and gives hope to us and to others. That's the beautiful big picture of the kingdom life. God's grace breaking in and gratitude breaking out. That's what the kingdom life is all about. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you that you have sent your son into the world to show us this amazing grace. To break us free from our sin. To make us well where we are needing to be made well. And I pray that we would see you come to those deep places in our heart that need to be healed. And that as we walk out our life with you, they may be transformed. They might be cleansed. Then we might be made well. And we pray that that would elicit in us uh, uh, just uh, gratitude and joy and thanksgiving breaking out. And we would see the world transformed by that. In Jesus' name, amen.